Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hey everybody and welcome to Lux Digital Church. My name is Mark. Before we get started, I just want to say welcome to Navalis and St. Barandy Greggs. Um, and before we get kicked in tonight, I just want to say that it's really good to be here and, and to be preaching at Lux. Um, there's these sort of stages that you go through as a preacher depending on how long you're at a church or what your relationships are like with the people. Um, at the church, St. Bear says, whoa, that background, so fancy. Thanks, man. We uh, we put together this virtual background. It's not really virtual. I mean, it's a physical background, um, but it looks like a window, although it's a set of televisions, and we can now be anywhere in the world that we want to be. And actually, uh, Greg uh, literally shot footage from the back of an awesome yard earlier today um, that we're going to be able to use as like video footage on the background. So it actually look like you're looking out the back bay window or front bay window of somebody's home. It's going to be really cool. And um, there's these phases that you go through as a preacher um, where you sort of experience different emotions and feelings as you prepare to preach. And at first you have a lot of nervousness and there comes a point in time as you've developed relationships inside of a church and you've, I think it is Switzerland, or maybe it's Poland. I don't know um, where you've developed relationships inside a church with a group of people so long um, that like actually getting in front of them, or in this case, getting in front of the mic and the camera actually puts you at ease. You feel more comfortable because you know those relationships, you know those people are rooting for you. You know that we've all come here for the same reason. And so thank you guys for being here and being the church family that you are. If you are here for the very first time tonight, once again, my name is Mark and I am the lead and founding pastor here at Lux Digital Church. We're so glad to have you here with us tonight, um, especially if you're here for the very first time. And if you are, whenever you feel comfortable, drop a follow here on the channel or say hello in the chat. If you say hello in the chat, we're just gonna welcome you to the family. If you drop a follow on the channel, all we're going to do is send you a DM next week, inviting you to come and join us on Discord and also inviting you to come and be part of our service again next week. We're live every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST right here at twitch.tv slash Church. And if you're joining us later on as part of our on-demand family on VOD or podcast or YouTube, then thanks for coming and joining us and thanks for investing in your spiritual walk this week. You're a valued member of our community. We love you and we care about you and we are so very thankful for you. And if you haven't joined us over on Discord yet, well, you should do that sooner rather than later. You can find a link to our Discord where we are 24-7 every day of the week. Uh, the link is either in the description of this video or this podcast episode, or you can simply visit discord.gg slash Lux Digital Church, and you can come and join us on Discord today and get plugged in to a genuinely awesome biblical community that is entirely online, and we'd love to have you there. Tonight, we are in part two of a five-week collection of talks called Screen Name, in which we have been talking about the various names and titles that Jesus has and what that means for our lives individually, and each of our messages have been linked together by this same key statement over the five weeks, and it's this, knowing who Jesus really is helps us understand who we are. Knowing who Jesus really is helps us understand who we are. Uh, this is the point that links all of our messages together and the conversation in our world today has a lot to do with figuring out who you are or who you want to be. There's a lot of opportunities to sort of reinvent yourself or create in yourself the person that you want to be. We talked a lot about that last week and we're going to dive into it this week. 
But in my understanding, at least of understanding who you are and the process of self-discovery is actually a lot like trying to find a place that you are trying, like wanting to get to, but have never been. Uh, when it comes to figuring out who you are, we oftentimes need a guide or a map or somebody to help us, someone who'd be willing to give us directions because we know where we want to get to, but we're not entirely sure of how to get there. And around here, when you ask them for directions, I live outside of Pittsburgh, you oftentimes get some of the most cryptic and obscure directions with weird landmarks and all kinds of things. And I would love to go into it more and even imitate what it's like to live in my physical area and stop on the side of the road and ask somebody from directions. But there's this incredible YouTube channel called Pittsburgh Dad, where somebody gives examples of what it's like to have a father from the Pittsburgh area. In one of the YouTube episodes, that he put out uh, actually has to deal with asking directions from a dad in this area. I figured it'd be better to watch it than for me to try to explain it. So let's just take a moment and watch this short clip from a Pittsburgh dad YouTube video. No, we ain't taking a baby pull out so you just can make it a hot tub. Huh? Where are you trying to get to? All right, all right. So what you're going to do here is you're going to go down through three stop signs down a road here. Once you get to that third stop sign, Go through that stop sign, all right? And you're gonna you're gonna come to a with a house with a with a big lava rock in the front yard. You make a right there. Now, if you reach the ball fields, you've gone too far, and you don't want to run over this kid just laying in the road. Jeffy, get out of the road. That ain't how you play hopscotch. Then you go up the hill there and make a right by the old Bettis Lounge, and you're gonna see an insurance company they made of an old Pizza Hut. Now you go past that, but if you get to that other Pizza Hut with the Ninja Turtle mural, you've gone too far. Oh, I'm back. I'm sorry. I was looking at Unsound Behold, who was offering me free subscribers. If I would just visit his website, welcome to church, by the way. I like literally get killed whenever he says that you turn at that lava rock because I've actually stopped for directions from people. That is like the type of directions that you get is like turn at the lava rock. When you get to the second pizza hut, you've gone too far. It One of my other favorite scenes about asking for directions actually comes from Jedi's favorite show, The Office. We've probably watched every season of The Office five times. And there's this really awesome uh, episode somewhere in between when Ryan becomes the boss or like the CEO of Thunder Mifflin. And he implements a like wide reaching new website where people can order their stuff online. And Michael, who is one of the lead characters in the show, is upset about this new online ordering process and doesn't trust the robot to properly process things. So he decides to grab his best salesman, Dwight, and go on a classic door to door sales call. And on the way home, his GPS gives him poor directions, but in order to make a point, he insists that you can't trust robots as he follows the robot in this awesome clip. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 no. Look, it, it means go up to the right, bear right over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's well, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's Stop not yelling. There's no lake here. One of my favorite episodes of The Office, which is probably my favorite show of all time. The point of these sort of funny little video clips about giving directions or receiving directions is that we all need directions in life. Like if we want to get to a place, we need help getting there. 
now we all sort of have a GPS on our phone, or at least the vast majority of us do, unless you're like my brother and you still have the flip phone, a little shade your way. I know you're in chat tonight. Um, <laughs> but most of us can just, you know, pull up our GPS and go somewhere. But whenever I first got my license, we didn't have that opportunity. So we had to go on MapQuest on the internet and we would have to print off physical, you know, papers that told us how to get places and then follow those map quests. Eventually I got like a Garmin or some like ripoff brand of a Garmin or something, which is a GPS system. And you occasionally had to like buy new map updates or something like that. Buy Hi Samus. It's good to see you tonight. And uh, I literally never bought new map updates. So sometimes my GPS really never had any, like, like had no idea that there was any roundabout in my area. Just tell me to drive straight through the center of it. Um, but if you would like go further back, like whenever I was growing up as a kid and my parents would want to go someplace, you know, they would have uh, an Atlas or a map that we would pour out, pull out. But the thing about a map or an atlas or even a GPS system is it's really helpful in getting you to where you want to go, but only if you have some sort of idea of where you already are. So just let me give you an example. If you're lost on a back road and you pull out a map, but you don't know the name of the back road that you're on, well, the map's not going to do you much good. You're not going to be able to figure out where you are, which means you're not going to be able to figure out where you want to go. If you're in the middle of nowhere without any cell phone reception and your GPS loses you, or if, like me, you live near Pittsburgh and the roads are so interlocking that sometimes it thinks you're on a different road than you're really on and it GPS still today gets lost in my city, well, then the GPS isn't very helpful. It's not going to get you to where you want to go because it doesn't know where you are, which is why it's so important in life for us to have an idea of where we are. And, and that's what this entire series is about. As we look at the person of Jesus and we look at the titles that he has, we are then looking at the titles that we have to have. Like as followers of Jesus, if Jesus, like last week we talked about, is the Savior and the Redeemer and the Messiah, well, that makes us specific things in relation to who Jesus is. And so tonight, we're going to take a dive into one of the titles that Jesus has, the Good Shepherd. Now, actually, Jesus gave himself the title of Good Shepherd, and we actually see that in the book of John. It's a rather long passage, at least for us here at Lux, but before we dive into it, I want to give you a little context. Because if you're here tonight and you're just lurking with us, you may not be religious, you may have not grown up in the church, and you may not have any idea what it means to be in the book of John. So the entire Bible is one book, but it's actually made up of a collection of over 60 different smaller writings that are made up by dozens of different authors that, unbeknownst to them, were writing one cohesive and beautiful story about how God has interacted with humanity from the beginning of time until the end. As Christians, we divide all of those writings up into two major pieces. The first and the larger section is called the Old Testament. And this is the story of how God interacted with his chosen people, the Israelites, in order to portray his character and his love to the world around them. And then the second half is the New Testament, which is the story of the life of Jesus and also a lot of the stories from the very first handful of churches that got started on the planet. Tonight, we're looking at the book of John, which is one of the gospel accounts. These are the first four books in the New Testament, and they're written as eyewitness accounts of what Jesus actually did and what Jesus actually said. Now, John was actually one of Jesus' closest friends, and some would say his closest friend on earth. 
And John has written several books, this one having his name and a couple others that do as well, and many of his writings found their way into the Bible. Tonight, we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of John about a time that he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus was in the city of Jerusalem and had spent his night east of the city on the Mount of Olives, which was a place that he commonly slept for the evening. The next morning, he woke up and he came to the city, and as he was coming in, he saw a person who was afflicted, and he healed that person. After he healed that person, he went to teach in the temple courts, and people began to ask how this person who was previously you know, afflicted had been cured and had been healed and was now whole. It became so tense that the religious leaders actually kicked this new healed man out of the synagogue, out of the temple. He wasn't allowed in there. Later in the day, Jesus actually finds him and comes and talks to him. And during that conversation, a grouping of religious leaders overhear and they jump into the conversation. And our passage today comes from these religious interrupters and Jesus' engagement with them. It's going to come to us from the book of John, chapter 10, starting in verse 7 and going till verse 18. Let's take a look at it together. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. Here it is. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, there's obviously a tremendous amount of things in this passage that we could get into. There's tons of theological implications and lots of stuff that we could gravitate towards. We're not going to unpack almost any of those little nuances and even some of those big and bold claims, including Jesus calling himself the gate to the sheep pen. Instead, we're going to focus narrowly in on Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. Now, it's really interesting that Jesus would refer to himself as a shepherd. And perhaps if you grew up in the church, you'd kind of be familiar with this, right? Maybe like literally the church that I grew up in had this big mural of Jesus. And he was like the real muscular, white, super Anglo-Saxon Jesus with no beard and brown flowing hairs and bright blue eyes. Literally, he looked like Navalis. I'm not joking. Like if Navalis was to put a sheep over his shoulders, he could actually take his picture in real life and put it up on the wall of the church I grew up in and people would be like, that's a really great picture of Jesus because that was the Jesus that we depicted. The point was I always saw Jesus as a shepherd because I saw him with the sheep around his shoulders. And so if you grew up in the church, that's common. 
but 2,000 years ago, it was actually really uncommon. See, people were looking for a messiah, a, a military or political leader, somebody to help the Israelites during their time of oppression to the Romans. And when Jesus said he is like the good shepherd, he wasn't just claiming that he tended sheep. He was also taking the absolute lowest position in society. The shepherd outside of slaves was the lowest position in society. They were perpetually unclean, unable to go to the synagogue or the temple or make sacrifices because they spent all of their time with sheep and around dead animals, and those were unclean animals. But they were always outside of society. They lived under the stars, and they very rarely were important. And so when Jesus says that he is like a shepherd or he calls himself the good shepherd, it's got to be alarming to people 2,000 years ago because why would you want to be a shepherd. It doesn't even make any sense. But I think that Jesus had a couple of points and reasons. One, he knew that everyone could relate to the idea of a shepherd. Everybody knew what a shepherd did. The other thing is that Jesus wanted to make sure that the people understood that as they awaited a Messiah, that he was showing signs that he was indeed the Son of God. But at the same time, he was making very clear claims that he wasn't the Messiah that they expected. That all of their predictions and all of their expectations for him, well, he would do something completely different than what they had previously thought that he would did. Because as a shepherd, he was meek and mild, and yet he defended and he protected the sheep. And he said that he leads the sheep to good pastures and life and life to the full and that there's some sort of enemy out there that actually seeks to kill and destroy the sheep. Now, we might be looking at all of this and asking a very simple question. Well, why does it matter? Because if Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that make us? Now, typically my why it matters statement would be at the very end of my sermon, but tonight it's actually closer to the middle. And here's why it matters. If Jesus is the good shepherd, then we are the sheep. If Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that make us? It makes us the sheep. Now, if you don't know a lot about sheep, let me just say that being a sheep isn't exactly a compliment. A sheep is not the brightest animal. Uh, there's a reason that a sheep needs a shepherd in order to be protected. Sheep have a strong tendency to wander into danger and to wander away from the flock. There's a reason that there are multiple references in the Bible to the concept of the lost sheep. Because a sheep is actually dense enough to stick his head down, eat grass, and then literally wander away into the wilderness. And I don't know if you've ever watched one of the nature documentaries where the young antelope gets born and finds its legs and wanders to the edge of the herd as the pack of hungry lions is not far away. It, it never ends good for the antelope, right? It's either the cheetah or the hyena or the lion or a grouping of them that be able, are able to get a piece and eat the long antelope. So when a sheep wanders away from the flock, it isn't really a good thing. So when Jesus calls himself the shepherd, he also, by definition, is calling us the sheep. Now, every metaphor breaks down at one point, even some of the metaphors that Jesus made. Uh, obviously, we're not literally sheep, but I think there's a couple things that we can draw from the metaphor that Jesus has given here about being a shepherd that tells us, as followers of Jesus, how we relate to him and what our role is in this life. And those are the two points that we're going to focus in on tonight. First is this. This is a quality of Jesus. The good shepherd leads the sheep. The good shepherd leads the sheep. The Bible actually tells us that I've come to give you life and give it to the full. That's what Jesus said. And he said that he leads the sheep to good pastures and safe places to graze. 
And so Jesus actually steps in as the good shepherd and decides to lead his sheep. They become familiar with his voice, and then he takes them to good places. He leads, guides, and directs their lives. Uh, the reality is most of us don't really want to be led. And those of us who are okay with being led are often really easily tricked or super easily distracted. And all of us have a shepherd in our life, like all of us. Sometimes we think that we don't, and we're kind of going it on our own. But the reality is shepherds are just part of our lives. All of us are looking for someone to watch over us and to protect us, to lead us, and to guide us. Uh, from the time that we're born, when my daughters were born, they were desperately trying to get to my wife or I. They wanted that closeness. There was this moment where they would lay the newborn child on my wife, one of my two daughters, and they would bond together. And then pretty soon, my kids would begin looking to eat because they were looking for sustenance, guidance, protection, food, energy, the things that they needed from us. And throughout life, we do that. Now, we grow more independent with time, just as my daughters have grown more independent over time, but they still look for us to shepherd them, to protect them, to watch over them, to lead and to guide them, because they believe that we're going to lead them into a better and a better life. Now, if you're unlucky and you didn't have good parents growing up, this is why it can be so detrimental, because we grow up without good shepherds, without people to literally guide, lead, and direct us. For many of us, our understanding of what to do in life has less to do with good examples leading us to good things and more to do with devastating examples that led to really negative things. And so we choose to zig where our parents had chosen to zag. But throughout life, we look for new mentors or new people to watch over us and lead and guide us. And these can be things like ideologies. Uh, this is why religion can become so powerful in some people's lives, because they're desperate for a map. They understand where they are, but in order to get to where they want to be, they're looking for a worldview or an ideology to lead and to guide them. And so religion comes into their life and helps lead them. And this is why there's lots of people who are in the church who are highly religious, but not at all like Jesus, because religion oftentimes hands us the map that we're looking for, the control over our fates that we want in order to lead, guide, and direct our lives. For some of us, we've decided to follow the shepherd of addiction, and it's dominated our lives and controlled us. Others, it's been materialism. Maybe it's been a relationship. Perhaps it's been work, or maybe it's been a mentor. And the various shepherds that are in life, some are good, but other ones are really bad. And Jesus actually warns us about those shepherds. He said there is actually one that wants to steal and to kill and to destroy our lives. And if we as sheep submit ourselves to the leadership of those shepherds, well, they lead to destruction and death. And I've done exactly this thing throughout life. And my guess is so have you. I grew up in the church, so I understand the importance of following Jesus. I've heard it since I was young. And if you grew up in the church, you probably have too. And even if you didn't go to church, you've probably heard before, you should follow Jesus. And if you've never heard it before, let me be the first one to tell you, you should follow Jesus. But there's a big difference between deciding in one moment to give your life to Jesus and say a prayer and choosing to follow Jesus every day of your life. And when we see this all over our culture, people who claim in word to be Christian, but don't actually look a whole lot like Jesus or act or live any different than the world around them because they want to claim Jesus as savior, but they're not very interested in Jesus as Lord or owner and master, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. But Jesus calling himself the good shepherd says he comes to lead you, comes to lead the sheep. And there's a quote by a guy named G.K. Chesterton, and my guess is it's actually messed up on the screen, so I'm going to read it properly. And he says this, the Christian life has not been found, has not been tried and found wanting. 
It has been found difficult and left untried. I'm missing a word there. The Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The reality is staying in the flock and not being distracted by the greener grass over there or the more comfortable sheep pen over there or whatever it is that this shepherd happens to be offering is very difficult. Uh, We tend to be sort of dual-minded. We want to follow Jesus, but we also kind of want to do our own thing. And we tend to submit ourselves to all different types of shepherds, and I've done that throughout my life. I've claimed to be part of the flock of Jesus Christ, but if you examine my life, like really, you can see the desire for gaming or friendships or popularity or wealth or whatever, my own personal sinful issues, are the things that have actually been calling the shots. That's the thing that I've been following. If we say we're followers of Jesus, it means that we follow the leadership and the example that Jesus set down. But if we examine our lives and realize that actually, if you looked at my life, my life is more driven by the desire to make more money and to excel in my job or to make this relationship work or to continue to follow in my path of addiction, that my life really doesn't look like it's submitted to or following with the flock. It actually has to do with being with a different sheepfold altogether. Many of us in life go through that, different seasons in life when we've chosen different shepherds. And in every flock and in every pen, they lead to death, which is why Jesus is also this second point. The good shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. The good shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. This is the one thing that genuinely makes Jesus different than every other shepherd. Jesus says that he actually stand in the gap and protect the sheep. That when the wolf comes, that when the wolf comes, that he'll sacrifice and give himself up and lay down his life on behalf of the flock. He says that the other hired workers, well, they're just here for the paycheck. The moment that there'll be trouble that comes up, well, they're going to surrender the flock to the wolf and they're going to head for higher and safer ground. And you've probably experienced this throughout life as well. You began to follow in the path of work and all of a sudden you were left stranded because of a downturn or some sort of a political move that meant that you weren't going to be working at the place that you loved anymore. Or maybe you put all of your hope in following a specific spiritual leader only to suddenly find out that they weren't exactly who you thought they were and they've fallen off of their spiritual pedestal. Or maybe you began to follow the flock and the shepherd of relationship and everything in you just wanted to make this one work and then you realize that they're not really in it in the same way that you're in it. And what you thought was going to last forever is actually coming to an end. We've all chosen to follow the wrong shepherd at one time or another. We've all experienced what it means to be left by the shepherd and exposed to the wolf. We all know what it feels like to be torn apart and to be hurt and to be injured because we decided to stay with the wrong shepherd. Now, this doesn't mean that when we choose to follow Jesus, that life becomes easy or that we're under some sort of you know, veil of protection, that nothing bad can happen to us anymore. That once we put our faith in Jesus, that we're just happy for the rest of our lives. In fact, Jesus says in this life, you will have trouble. And if you go back and listen to my message from two weeks ago at the last part of the prayer series, we talk about the difference between the temptation and destruction and trials and transformation. That as followers of Jesus, we actually go through things and God redeems difficult things things in our lives to refine us and allow us to become more like his son and more in line with the way that he created us. There's pain in the carving away of the things and that we 
put on ourselves for God to reveal the genuine masterpiece that's below us. But what Jesus is promising here as the Good Shepherd isn't that nothing bad would ever happen to us, but that he will protect us and provide for us, even from the things that we don't know that we've been protected from, and ultimately from the one thing that we can never protect ourselves from, ourselves. That Jesus came to lay down his life for the one thing that would seek to destroy us, to tear us apart for all eternity, the thing that would ultimately seek to live up, lead us to death, which was our own sin. That it was in the face of that wolf that he would lay down his life and that he would take it up again because he protects his flock. But we have to learn to follow and listen to the shepherd. Like as sheep, what is our job? Like if Jesus is the good shepherd and we are the sheep, then what is our job? And I think this really gets into the number one shepherd that most of us are listening to, that most of us are following, that we need to quit following. And that's our own sheep brains. Most of us, at least for me, aren't going out of our way to give our lives to a different shepherd. We just think we know better. Jesus says to go right, and we insist that the grass to the left looks better. Jesus says to turn back, but we insist that we can withstand the river's current up ahead that we listen to our own teeny sheep brain that's more focused on mowing down grass than it is getting to safety or green and safe pastures. And because of that, it brings about destruction in our lives. It causes hurt and pain for those around us, and it tears the world apart instead of doing what we were intended to do as Jesus' followers, which was put the world back together, that God created a world and created it perfectly, and that was Eden. We shattered the world through sin, as followers, and as followers of Jesus, we're actually called to be a redemptive force in the world. We're piecing together Eden. Like, that's our job, guys. Our job isn't just to like accept Jesus and sit around and do whatever we want until we go to heaven one day. Our job as followers of Jesus is to take the shattered pieces that we've been handed and to piece back together Eden. We're rebuilding what was once. And one day, Christ will, Jesus will return. He'll bring ultimate restoration and he'll piece Eden back together one piece at a time. And he'll reform what was originally created to be in perfection. That's what the Bible teaches us. That from the first page of the Bible, we break the world. And in the last page of the Bible, it's restored. And everything in between is God's redemptive story of how he's interacted with the world and led and guided us to partner with him in the redemptive work of piecing together Eden. What we long for in the deepest parts of our hearts and our little sheep hearts what we've lost. That Jesus is saying there's something better than a slightly greener field off to the left. I have life for you and life to the full. And one of the reasons we live lives that are racked with worry and anxiety and we just can't seem to be able to figure out how to find joy or contentment is because we spend more time listening to our sheep brain than the voice of the shepherd. And guys, what it really means to follow Jesus, what it really means to have a good shepherd, is to become familiar with the voice of the shepherd and to trust the voice of the shepherd. Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I don't even know how to hear God's voice. Then go through the last series that we just spent nine weeks on, on prayer and the Lord's prayer about familiarizing yourself with the voice of God. Go back over a year ago and listen to our whisper series over on YouTube and learn how God speaks to us, not just through audible words, but through all sorts of circumstances and ways. 
And then don't just listen to our sheep brain anymore and wander off grazing aimlessly into dangerous territory. But instead, as followers of Jesus, we have to genuinely follow. Do not give our allegiance to other sheep pens and to other flocks that look nicer or fancier or more comfortable at the time. But instead, we learn to walk with Jesus, the good shepherd, and stay amongst his flock that he might lead us to life and life to the fold. Not life and life that is easy, but life and life to the full. Listen to the good shepherd. Follow the good shepherd. We are sheep. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all the amazing people who are here in service tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you've been so good and so gracious to our church. And I, I apologize, Father, for the times that I've sought to serve you and I've claimed to be a pastor. I've claimed to lead people and I haven't led them well. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, for the times that people have decided to follow me instead of following you. But I pray, Father, that every person who's here tonight, no matter where they are and what situation that their life is in, the thing that they would hear is that the calling on their hearts as followers of Jesus is to follow the good shepherd, to learn the voice of the shepherd, both revealed in scripture and revealed to us in prayer through the power of your spirit. And if there are people here tonight who do not know you, but they know that they have followed shepherds that have led them to death and destruction, that they followed shepherds that have left them to disappointment and anxiety and worry and depression, and they're just done. They're done. They've lost the job. They've lost the relationship. They've been through the addiction. They've gone through all of these things, Father, and they have not yet found a shepherd that will protect them when the chips are down. They keep finding shepherds that abandon them and leave them out to dry. Father God, I pray that they would put their faith in you tonight and would just say, Jesus, come into my life and take over, become my savior, meaning he saves us from sin and death, and Lord, meaning owner and master. I want to follow you. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give a chance to following Jesus tonight. I'm choosing the good shepherd over all the other shepherds. And for those of us who are here tonight and know you and claim to follow you, I pray, Father, that we would stop listening to our sheep brain and stop going off and wandering into other flocks and other sheep pens and under other shepherds and all of those things that bring destruction and hurt and pain and loneliness. And instead, we would turn our eyes and our attention and especially our ears to the voice of the good shepherd, that we would listen to the voice of Jesus and that we would willingly and passionately follow him. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.